0: To dwell on this, but who's heard of the Doomsday Clock? A few people. Who knows what time it is on the Doomsday Clock right now? A brother down here does. Two minutes to midnight. The uh, time was just reset, or well, not reset. It was uh, just confirmed to stay at two minutes to midnight. And uh, the statement uh, that was released by the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists that actually um, set this Doomsday Clock. Uh, they said we are normalizing. A very dangerous world was the statement that they made. Uh, this new abnormal is simply too volatile and too dangerous to accept. Do we feel like that in the world today? Do we feel like you know we're, we're at that imminent point of uh, perhaps a potential conflict throughout the world, or some sort of cataclysmic event? Taking place, we certainly look around the countries. Perhaps we see uh, China and uh, uh, their uh, statements in recent times that they can sink the ships that the Americans are floating off uh, the coast there in the South China Sea. The two, uh, um, uh, what are they, the um, aircraft carriers that they have there, and uh, threats such as that. Uh, we see uh, Israel uh, shooting um, missiles into Syria to destroy Iranian assets that are supported by the Russians. And we look at all of this and we know that uh, it fits with Bible prophecy, that we live in dangerous times. The Bible calls it perilous times. It tells us that we're in difficult times within the world. It says when they're saying peace and safety, not when there is actual peace and safety, but when they're talking of these things and they're talking about security in the world, then we're to expect that something could well take place. And uh, what uh, the statement uh, went on to say is that nuclear weapons and climate change are seen as the two major threats to mankind and they're exacerbated by, and this is what I want to talk about a little bit today, increased use of information warfare to undermine democracy around the world. You might know it otherwise as fake news. And uh, it's the word of 2017, fake news. And we know that uh, a certain uh, president in the USA likes to say that if anything's said against him, it's just fake news. And uh, it's a a term that we now understand has perhaps got a bit more uh, teeth behind it in terms of what is actually taking place. We saw um, Russian interference in the US presidential election, as much as it's called fake news. Uh, What took place there is that... um, data was manipulated, uh, that information was broken into and stolen and it was fed to certain parties so that they could actually release and use this information. And then there was a whole element of social media where they created all of these fake identities and used these fake identities to feed information into people and groups and fertile minds to lead their minds to believing in a particular way. And to influence the outcome. Who's heard of, um, uh, what do they call it? Cambridge Analytica. Just a small number. Cambridge Analytica is a company that specialized, it's out of business now, by the way, but it specialized in helping, um, politicians to win, um, by, uh, helping them build their campaigns, and using social media particularly again to influence people in uh their beliefs and to uh perhaps uh, turn people against others um by the information that they shared they analyze data to predict behavior interests and opinions held by specific groups of people and then serve them messages that they are likely to respond to and uh, they were used in various countries to uh, assist. Um, one of the more recent ones was actually in Kenya in the presidential elections that were held there, I think it's uh, a bit over 12 months or so ago now, and uh, to help uh, the president uh, be re-elected. Now they've uh, gone out of business, but they've reappeared as another company called Emadata to uh, help others in this same way. But uh, what we know today is that the world is ever-changing and uh, that fake news is being used in a way to um help people achieve uh what they're trying to uh politically quite often um and to influence the general public in uh, their their thoughts now uh turn with me if you will to second corinthians chapter 11 because what i'd like to uh, suggest to you is that uh this is not something that's new by any means in fact, it's something that started back in the very beginning of the Bible. Fake news was introduced by a certain serpent, wasn't it? And it's been the same ever since. Uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 1 says, Would to God you could bear with me a little, in my folly indeed bear with me. For I am jealous over you with a godly jealousy, for I have espoused you to one husband, that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest by any means as a serpent beguiled Eve through his subtlety, so your minds should be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he that cometh preacheth another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive another spirit, which you have not received, or another gospel, which you have not accepted, you might bear well with him, or you will bear with him. You listen to these things, is what is being said. And perhaps the thought for today is that don't get deceived out of the simplicity of the gospel message. We have a wonderful experience that we've received of God. And all the people said, We've been baptised in water. we received the gift of the Holy Spirit. Our lives have been changed. I'm just listening to my wife's testimony. She's sharing it here. And it takes me back 30 years to watching her baptised in the baptism tank straight after I've just been baptised and received the Holy Spirit. I've got a grin from ear to ear. I've just felt and realised God's given me this precious gift Something so powerful. I spoke in tongues for the first time in my life. I'm sitting in the baptism tank and realizing God has just done something. He's giving me something. I was a person who had no belief in God whatsoever, and there I was speaking a language I'd never learned before. I felt so privileged sitting in that baptism tank, having received the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues. At that stage, 5.5 billion people on the face of the planet, and God chose me. And God chose my wife and filled her with the Holy Spirit straight afterwards. What a blessing. What a beginning in our life. Now, if you're baptised and filled with the Holy Spirit here, we've all had the same beginning. Are we as excited today about our experience? Or do we let fake news get into us? Gospels from another church? Ideas from somewhere else? Do we allow those things to influence us? Or do we come back to the simplicity of the gospel message that we've got sitting on our laps in front of us, the Bible message that we've received? Encouragement, my brothers and sisters, is let's just be thrilled with what God has done in our life. Let's be thrilled with our own experience. Let's live the life that God has called us to. Let's not be people that are deceived in some way. We have the example of Eve, being beguiled through the subtlety of the serpent. We live in a world that is so subtle, it weasels its way into our minds somehow. But we've got to allow it. It's not entirely something that just happens in our life. We may be uh, uh, listening to things or watching things or talking to people that perhaps we allow them to say things to us. Maybe it takes a little bit of a root and it starts to eat away at us. The Bible talks about word eating in as a canker or like a cancer in our life and it eats out at our minds. We have to allow these things to happen. We certainly live in a world where it wants to deceive us, where it wants to change us. Now I look at events unfolding in the world as it is at the moment. I actually think It's all ramped up a notch, the pressure of walking in the Lord, over the last year or so. We're starting to see countries where they're banning the Bible. China. You can't go online and find a Bible today. It's banned. They've stopped it. The Chinese are actually writing their own Bible today. And uh, it will suit the state way in which they want to present Jesus Christ and the message that conforms to the message that they want it to. Now that's not new either, because that's taken place. We know churches that have their own Bible. They've altered things to suit their own purposes. And so that continues. We have countries, and Rwanda is one for example, where you may have heard they closed our churches down just over a year ago. The government came out, it can't uh judge religion because it says, it's a a, a signatory to the UN Charter of Human Rights, so instead it says, your buildings are not safe, you cannot meet in your buildings. If you want to meet in churches, you need to make sure those churches are safe. As a result of that, all 13 of our assemblies inside Rwanda were closed down. By the grace of God, the uh, the council's been supportive. We've sent some money over. We've improved three halls. They're now open. We're in the process of building a number of other halls. Our churches are meeting again. We've got people that are, are walking um, tens of kilometres to get from the assembly where they live to the assembly where they can actually meet and uh, to uh, hear the word of God, to be encouraged in the Lord. We're seeing baptisms take place. We're actually seeing our church grow through the adversity inside Rwanda today because they're making a stand for the things of the Lord and they want the word of God in their life. And they're prepared to put themselves out for it and they're seeing that it continues to grow. The church is going to face more and more opposition over time. What we're required to do is be strong in our own walk in the Lord, be confident in our experience, not to be deceived. It's a very simple message that we got in the very beginning and we've got to keep the simplicity of this gospel over time. Just quickly turn with me, if you will, to Matthew chapter 22. I just want to quickly go through a couple of scriptures, the sorts of messages that may be being given out at the moment. And the first one is, we need to be more accepting of everybody. You hear that, don't you? We've got to accept everybody. We're told as they are. In Matthew chapter 22, in verse 12, it's about a parable of a wedding feast. And Jesus says to us here, And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in hither, not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to his servants, to the servants, bind him hand and foot and take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called, but few are chosen. Jesus Christ himself said, there's actually a judgment. There's actually a choosing. We don't choose God. God chooses us, we say. That's based on the scriptural principle. God does the choosing. And uh, as we read here, this man comes to the wedding feast. It's a, a parable, it's a type an illustration for us to understand a point that the Lord is making. And he says, how come you don't have on a wedding garment? And it's illustrating to us, not everybody's going to enter into the kingdom of God, but those that conform, those that have been born again, those that have followed the Lord, God accepts everybody, but he expects a change in their life. They must be born again, begin a new life, through the waters of baptism, ending and burying the old life, arising in the newness of life, and of course a new life comes to us through the gift of the Holy Spirit that God gives to us. Uh, turn to Matthew chapter ten. So we're going to skip through these fairly quickly. Matthew chapter ten. Sometimes we're told there's not enough love in the church. We don't ever hear that, do we? We know we do. Turn to Galatians 4 instead. It's where Jesus is having a conversation with um, a rich man who comes to him and uh, says to him that uh, What do I do? What do I need to do that I might inherit eternal life? And Jesus tells him to love the Lord, to uh, love his neighbour. And he says, all these things I am doing, and yet Jesus turns and it says, Jesus beholds him, and he says unto him that he loved him. And he says, there's one thing yet that you lack. Go and sell all that you have, that you may enter the kingdom of God. And the point there is that Jesus loved him and corrected him and told him what he needed to hear I am so grateful that we live in a church where we're told the truth, where sometimes if uh, things aren't quite right, somebody actually comes and gives us a bit of advice, comes and knocks on the door perhaps, and uh, assists us, shares some things with us, some scriptures, and encourages us in the right way. That is true love, isn't it? Jesus showed love continually, and yet we know that he told people, that they needed to change. He told people that unless they change, they will not enter the kingdom of God. In Galatians chapter four in verse 16, Paul writes, Am I therefore become your enemy because I tell you the truth? It's necessary that we have leaders in the church. The Bible tells us in Ephesians chapter four. And that in doing so, that we are encouraged in the way that is right, that love is. Compassion, concern and care that we all make it when Jesus Christ returns. And so we need that help. We need that guidance. Philippians chapter 4, on a different course altogether, but sometimes we're told if you're not wealthy, God's not blessing your life. Now that's a theme throughout Africa. Prosperity doctrine abounds. And I see a few brothers and sisters here from Africa. Today there's 1.2 billion people in Africa, uh, 54 different countries, and, uh, most of it is nominally Christian, as a very big zeal for the things of the Lord, but a lot of it is ill-founded and misguided. A lot of it is very much about God prospering your life naturally, as opposed to spiritually. And we read here in Philippians chapter 4 in verse 11, I've been through situations where I've been without, where I haven't had a food on the table. He talks about going through fasts of necessity. He talks about bearing stripes upon his back. We read how he was stoned to the point of death and yet escaped that situation. What have we actually done in our walk in the Lord? I look at myself as much as anybody here. Have we put ourselves out in the same way? And of course it's not about... Bring prosperous in this life sometimes as we walk in the lord we make sacrifices we set aside our natural life that we might help out the work of the lord in some way and maybe we uh we go without in certain areas of our life we shouldn't look at it and say well we're not being blessed we're still blessed by the lord that that word blessed means to be happy we're happy walking in the Lord. We're happy to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're happy to know where we're going, that God has given us a future that is absolutely secured for us when Jesus Christ returns. The promise he gave us, that moment we were born again, that we are going to live forever, that we're going to be raised up on the last day and be with the Lord at that time. Turn to John chapter 3. Perhaps I should have put this one at the beginning. Another little message, of course, that we hear uh, quite often is God loves everyone. God does love everybody. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but should have everlasting life. John chapter 3, verse 16. It's in this chapter. We know the scripture. God loves the world. But what we also know is the world is currently condemned. It's judged today. Let's just read about that in verse 17. For God sent not his Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believes not is condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. He that believeth on him is not condemned, but he that believeth not is condemned already. The world lies in judgment. It is judged already. We have to escape out of this world. And of course the only way to do that, we read across uh, my Bible anyway uh, to the top of the chapter in verse 5, just uh, cutting it short here, where Jesus said, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. There is no other way into the kingdom of God. John chapter 10 tells us anyone who climbs up another way is a thief and a robber. There's no other way. We've got to go in the prescribed way. Straight is the gate and narrow is the way that leads unto life and few there be that find it. Doesn't it make you feel exhilarating to sit here and think I'm on that straight way, that I've entered in the straight gate, I'm on that narrow way, I'm on the path that leads unto eternal life. Jesus Christ is coming back and I'm going to be there on that day. I'm holding on, I'm pressing on, I'm not giving up, I'm looking forward to that day. My future is there and everything I do in my life, the decisions I make now are all focused on that outcome when the Lord comes back. I just want to be there with the Lord. I don't want to miss out. I don't want something in this life to distract me. I don't want fake news creeping into my life and uh, perhaps I become a bit bitter and twisted and uh, perhaps my thoughts get uh, taken in a different way. I just want to enjoy my walk in the Lord with my brothers and sisters, keep walking on and meet the Lord in the air. And all the people said, that's what it's about. That's our life that we've been called to, to enjoy to the uttermost, the fullness of life the Lord's given to us. And to walk on and meet the Lord in the air. There's no other way. Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, there is no entering the kingdom of God. There's one way that the Lord has set out. God loves everybody, but he wants everybody to go through that same, same way. Not through some other way, but through the way, the waters of baptism and receiving the Holy Spirit. Whatever their background, whatever their way of life, there's only that one way to do so. Let's uh, turn to Colossians chapter two. Colossians chapter two, and I just want to read here from verse six: As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk you in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Just to pause there for a moment: rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith. Now, a lot of the battle we face today when we're new along to the church, is to get that grounding in the things of the Lord, it's to put our roots down into the Word of God, to realize the power of the Holy Spirit that is in our life. As uh, we're told, Jesus' final words, you shall receive power after the Holy Ghost um, has come into you. And he's talking about the power of the Holy Ghost that we receive the power to have our life changed, the power to be transformed in our mind, in our thinking, as we read in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, that we can grow in the things of the Lord, that the Word of God can be uh, taking root, that we've got a fertile mind for the things of the Lord, that we listen and understand and we grow in the Lord, that we put our roots down, we get established and we're prepared to uh, walk on because we realize we've almost stumbled across something that is so wonderful. God has chosen us and called us out of the world, filled us with the Holy Spirit, and now we know we've got something good and we want to make the most of it in our lives. And a lot of effort goes into getting our walks established or perhaps a lot of help that uh, is there for us too. Sometimes the pastors and the leaders and your house leaders will come around and they'll spend time with you. They're going through the Scriptures, they're encouraging you in the things of the Lord, and... We've perhaps all been through this and uh, as we do so, we wonder why do they do it? But again, it's this love of wanting to see people get this grounding in the Lord. Because as we do so, we don't want the next verse to then kick in in verse eight. Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world and not after Christ. For in him dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him which is the head of all principality and power. We've got everything. Absolutely everything the Bible tells us. It says in another passage we have all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Now you're sitting on a a wonderful plastic chair. In Bendigo we've got very hard wooden chairs. Your chairs are comfortable. And uh, we sit on these chairs. Most of the ladies bring cushions because it's too hard for them. And uh, we sit there and we think, you know, what have we got in our life? We've got the most wonderful life imaginable, regardless of what we might be going through. Now I can come here visiting from 720 kilometres to the east of here, And I don't know all that many people very well. But I know people are sitting here going through all sorts of difficulties in their life. And perhaps thinking about You know, the the challenges they face. Maybe it's in the workplace. Maybe it's whether or not they've got a job or or enough money to pay the bills. Maybe it's the health report that you've been given by your doctor. Maybe it's how am I settling into this country and how I feel about my new life and what it might bring. Maybe as younger people growing up in the Lord, it's what kind of career am I going to meet the right person? What future do I have? And all of those kinds of thoughts and worries and concerns that we might have, well, we've got everything that we need. It's the Bible on our lap. It's the Holy Spirit inside. We're actually fitted out for the journey of life and we don't go without anything. God has given it, given us everything that we need. Everything, as I said, that pertains unto life and godliness. Don't let somebody spoil you. I want to read this to you from uh, the Amplified Bible, starting back in verse seven. Have the roots of your being firmly and deeply planted in him, fixed and founded in him, being continually built up in him, becoming increasingly more confirmed and established in the faith, just as you were taught, and abounding and overflowing in it with thanksgiving. See to it that no one carries you off as spoil or makes you yourselves captive. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that, that creates an image of the uh, uh, the way in which the children of Israel were taken captive by the Assyrians and the Babylonians as we read back in the Old Testament. And they were carried off as spoil and they were transplanted into another country. Just as spoil. Uh, don't let somebody take you in the same way we're reading here. Uh, let's continue on. And she want to read that again. See to it that no one carries you off the spoil or makes you yourselves captive by his so-called philosophy and intellectualism and vain deceit, idle fancies. I love this plain nonsense. Following human tradition, men's ideas of the material rather than the spiritual world. Just crude notions, following the rudimentary and elemental teachings of the universe and disregarding the teachings of Christ, the Messiah. Now when we open up our Bibles, we have the teachings of Jesus Christ coming into us as we read the Word of God. It leads us in a good way. It gives us instruction in the way to obtain the promise of eternal life. It guides us how to deal with our difficulties, our needs our challenges, our anxieties and our cares of this life. Don't become distracted by them. And certainly don't be distracted by people who would speak to us their thoughts from a natural carnal understanding and nothing to do with the Word of God that's in our in front of us here now. Be guided by the Word of God. Push aside what people might say, come back to what the Bible says. The Bible is the truth. The Bible is the word of God. The Bible is the answer for every need we might have in our life. Don't look to other solutions. Look to what the word of God says. It provides everything that we need. Uh In this uh amplified uh way in which it's brought out to us, It says, uh, don't let someone take you captive by so-called philosophy and intellectualism and vain deceit, idle fancies and plain nonsense. Today this world is raging with debate. Right throughout society, every corner that you look into today, everybody's got an opinion. And it's like the collective opinion wins. And if you're out of step with that in some way, then... You're at odds with the world. Well, guess what? We're swimming upstream against the tide, as it were, because Christianity, true Christianity, that's what we end up doing. We're not going with the main flow of this world. And we're going to face opposition, and we're going to face challenges and people that want to uh, impress their ideas and thoughts upon us. Again, the answer is, push it out come back to the Word of God. Let it be our guide in life. The Bible guides us into all truth. The Spirit leads us into all truth. And it's through the Spirit and the Word of God we'll stay safe in our walk in the Lord. Acts chapter 4. Look for time, if you will. Just turn to Matthew chapter 11. I'd love to share a few testimonies with you. Uh Over in Africa, uh, a brother, Nelson, uh, and his wife, Georgina, came to the Lord just before the rally in Kenya. And uh, Nelson was a man very much wrapped up in religion. He'd uh, been going to church all his life. He uh, he didn't own many possessions inside his house, but uh, Tony and I were blown away. When we sat in this very humble African mud brick house, made us a cup of tea, had to go and find another cup when he's... Uh, His niece joined us and they scrounged up another cup somewhere in the house and just enough tea in the flask that they'd made to serve all of us. In fact, his wife Georgina was going to go without, but we made sure that she got some tea as well. And we sat there and heard their testimony. And he opened up this cupboard and it was full of religious books. And he said, they're all worthless now. The moment I was filled with the Holy Spirit... I realised I don't need any of those, just my Bible. And he went from a person who was steeped in religion, a person who was riddled with pain in his back, who had a special arthritic uh, bed to uh, help him, or back for people with arthritis, uh, to try and ease the pain. He couldn't do gardening. Um, He was uh, limited in in what he could do. He'd been an accountant in his life, so he'd actually fared pretty well, even though he had a very humble home life. And yet when he was baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit, when he was introduced to the church, he was completely healed. His back was instantly healed. So much so that he rode the 20 kilometers from his hometown in Machakos to the town of Messi, where the uh, rally was held on the back of um, Pastor John Cece's motorbike, bouncing along on the rough African road and he felt no pain from it whatsoever. I prayed with him during the actual rally. I never realized this until afterwards. He'd had pain in his shoulder that day and he was instantly healed of it. His wife Georgina came along um, a couple of weeks later when she saw the change in Nelson. He went outside immediately after being baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit and he started gardening for the first time in a number of years. And his wife said, wow, something's different here. And when Georgina came along uh, and she sat there just testifying to us, how that she was completely healed of an anger problem that she had. We wouldn't have guessed it, looking at this humble uh, lady sitting in front of us, thrilled to be filled with the Holy Spirit, and they sat there and told us how their marriage was also healed. They'd come together as husband and wife, and they were unified now in the things of the Lord. And It had been a short few months since they'd had that experience, but God was doing wonderful things in their life. While we are in Ghana, we met uh, two brothers, um, Solomon and Matthew, and uh, they had difficulties in their life. One had just lost his job, and uh, he uh, didn't know what he was going to do, and uh, there was no payout from his work where he was. And uh, so over the coming days, we just encouraged him to uh, look to the Lord. God will provide for you. God will give you the answers. And we get a message shortly after getting back to Australia, there is a God in the Revival Fellowship. I've got a job. In fact, the company that I left, they paid me my payout. I got money from them, which is pretty much unheard of in, in Africa. And so, uh, they were able to, or uh, well, in Matthew's case there, he was able to get get on with his life, provide for his family and, uh, rejoice in the Lord as, uh, they were able to. Solomon prayed for a job. He was given the job that he wanted. And, uh, these are things they're just not used to taking place. Praying to a God that answers prayers and seeing changes in their life as they began to experience there. In Matthew chapter 11, in verse 2, it says, Now when John had heard in the prison the works of Christ, he sent two of his disciples and said unto him, Art thou he that should come, or do we look for another? Jesus answered and said unto them, Go and show John again those things which ye do hear and see. The blind receive the sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, and the deaf hear. The dead are raised up and the poor have the gospel preached to them. And blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended in me. Today there's plenty of fence in Jesus Christ. People get offended when you tell them the truth. You know, sometimes we tense ourselves perhaps as we're sharing the word of God with somebody because we think, you know, we can tell them the simplicity of the gospel message, but we know at some point there's a crunch time coming we 're going to share with them that they've actually got to do something in their life, and there's a change that they need to bring about perhaps in uh, in in what they're doing and people so easily get offended in the message that we're giving them who are you to tell me i 've got to change i'm okay as I am, or whatever they might want to say to us. we need to be people not offended, or as uh, we share the gospel it says, "Blessed is he, whosoever shall not be offended but as John sent his disciples, to find out, is this Jesus Christ? What did Jesus actually say there? says, Go and show John again those things which you do see, or hear and see. In verse 4, The blind receive their sight, the lame walk, the lepers are cleansed, the deaf hear, their dead are raised up, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Miracle signs and wonders. What a wonderful place again that we sit in here. We hear testimony after testimony after testimony of lives being changed, of God working, of God healing, of God providing, of God bringing peace into our life. I see Squid sitting here and reminds me of my own testimony of being healed of anxiety. Isn't it great what God is doing in our lives? Isn't it good to have answers? Isn't it good to seek a Lord that does these things in our life? and to know that he's an ever-present help in a time of need, as we read back in the book of Psalms there, that God is always at work in us. God never leaves us. God is with us. He's filled us with the Holy Spirit for the eternity, and he wants to be an active part of our life. Don't shut him out. And as we read here that this is our testimony. And sometimes we look at it and we think, well, maybe it's not my testimony. Maybe it's not me that's experiencing quite these things. doesn't mean that it's not available to us. God wants to work in our life in all these ways. But remind ourselves at the end of verse 5, the poor have the gospel preached unto them. By the grace of God, His mercy, His compassion, His love upon us. We're about to go into our time of communion, a time of celebration, a time of rejoicing, a time of thankfulness. A time of gratefulness to Jesus Christ our Lord for what he has given to us. It's opportunity. It's opportunity to see the things of God in our life. It's opportunity to continue to walk on. It's opportunities. as we go into our time of communion to perhaps block out things, to put into the past maybe things that have troubled us. Maybe people that have troubled us. It's time to make good choices and decisions every day of our life that we just focus on what's important. No fake news in our life. The real news of the gospel, the power of God in our life, the future set out before us that God has given to us that we're equipped, prepared and ready. We read in 1 Corinthians chapter 1 that we become, we come behind in no gift waiting for the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. We come behind in absolutely nothing. God has given us it all. All we have to do, embrace and keep walking on in the Lord. And all the people said. Amen. <music>